Welcome to Publishing Dribble, the podcast that breaks the rules and helps you kickstart your career as a successful nonfiction author and entrepreneur. I'm your host, Malena Benson. In this episode, I talk to Lou Mongello. He shares how to build a thriving, self-driven community and which media are the best to do so. Lou is one of the grand old men when it comes to community building, blogging and podcasting. He is probably the most prominent Disney expert and he's the host of WDW Radio, named the best travel podcast for nine consecutive years. Apart from being a podcaster, he is also a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, author and founder of the Dream Team Charity Project, which sends children with life-threatening illnesses to Walt Disney World. Lou is named one of the top 50 social media influencers. He is ranked number two overall podcast in iTunes and he helped raise more than $250,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. One of the things that I love about Lou is how he achieved all of this organically. He is a smart entrepreneur, but there's no doubt in my mind that human connection has been the most significant factor in his business success. You can for sure look forward to meeting Lou in this interview. So Lou, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you are here. Finally, I w- I've been looking forward to this. I have as well. It was such a pleasure meeting you um, in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World. I still have your book on my desk, like I'm taking advantage of the time we have to, uh, to, um, to get through it. So yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. I'm so happy for that. At first, I'd like to hear a little bit. What's your story, Lou? In my past life, I was a, a lawyer living in New Jersey. I had an IT consulting company on the side, which means I didn't sleep very much, um, but I was always in the service business. And I had this idea, um, probably from watching too many infomercials late at night, that I wanted to make something once and resell it. So the idea of writing a book came to me. Um, in my sleep-deprived state, Um, and I really set out to write the book I wanted to read, and which was about Walt Disney World. I was a Disney fan since I was a little kid, since going every year with my parents since I was three. So there was no Walt Disney World trivia book, and I loved the details, the minutiae, and the stories, and um, I wanted to just set out a personal challenge for myself to see if I can do it, never thinking it would be anything more than that. So I went out Um, I eventually found a publisher, signed a multi-book deal. And when the book came out, I thought really that was the um, the end. And I sort of checked it off the list. But I had a little website and it turned into articles and a discussion forum back in 2003, pre-social media. Um, t- 2005, I started podcasting because um, I thought the spoken word was so much more powerful than anything that I could write. And very, very long story longer. Um, a couple of years later, I, I took a huge leap of faith and I left the practice and, and a good job that I had in New Jersey. And I moved my family to Florida to a, a house site unseen um, to really pursue my passion for Disney. Um, fortunately, it worked out uh, when I've been doing it you know, full time ever since. And, and I also love now trying to help other people do the similar things, right? Turn their passion into their profession and turn what they love into what they do. What is it that is so amazing about Disney? 
you know, it's hard to articulate and it's hard to quantify. There is something special. If you've ever been to Walt Disney World or Disneyland, that when you step into those gates, um, it's a transformative experience. And all the problems that you have in the real world sort of disappear. And it allows and affords every adult the opportunity to be a kid again. And I think we all have a connection to Disney, whether it's going to the parks or you know, watching movies or, or um, you know, watching Walt on Sunday night with our parents. And I think we have an emotional connection to this brand and to this place um, and the incredible storytelling um, and escapism that Disney affords us in whatever way we choose to consume it. Now, obviously, with Star Wars and Marvel and, and you know, Pixar, the Disney umbrella is so much bigger. Um, but I think we all have a little bit of a, of a connection to Disney. So who's your audience? I see on your, on your Facebook group, I think you say family friendly. Yeah. So um, I am a parent. Um, so I have always created content that I want people to know that not only can they enjoy as an adult or a kid at heart, but also their kids can listen to as well. So if they turn it on in the car or um, you know, on the way down to Walt Disney World, they can listen to it together as a family But it really does, and I, and I create content that's very broad in terms of whether you're planning your first time visit to the Disney parks or your first Disney cruise or you've been hundreds of times and you want to know some of the secrets, history, details, and stories. I really want there to be something that's evergreen in my content that will appeal to as broad of an audience as possible. I don't want every single Disney fan because that's an unrealistic goal, but I think really, you know, in terms of community, which is the, the heart of what I do, uh, I think we're magnets for the type of people that we want to attract. So me, look, I'm a very positive person. Um, I like talking about the things that make us happy about going to Disney World. So if that's you, then chances are, you know, our community, I, I always say that I built the clubhouse, the community is the one that populates it, but our community will hopefully be one that you feel comfortable in uh, because there's lots of different, you know, subsections of Disney fandom. Um, but that's who I am. It's who I am in real life. I'm incredibly transparent um, and, and authentic in everything that I do. Um, but I do, I, I'm a very, you know, happy, positive person. I want the show to not just be informative and educational, but to be a little bit of that escapism as well. So, I mean, primarily the audience certainly is, is adults. Um, you know, I, I don't want to specify, you know, demographics because it does have a pretty broad range. You know, is your four-year-old going to love the show? Probably not going to get as much out of it um, as, as an adult would. But yeah, I mean, my ad audience is is um, is certainly for adults, but kids can listen to. Is that different for you when we say audience and when you say community? Yeah, I don't like audience. I don't like followers. I really, really, really don't like the word fans. I had a really tough time creating a Facebook page for my show because I just didn't like it being called a fan page early, you know, early on they were referred to as fan pages. And that's not, it always, it still gives me like the heebie jeebies. Like we're not fans, we're friends, right? And because especially with the podcast medium, it's so intimate and you're in people's ears that I believe that that's how they do or they should look at you not as a fan, but I want people to know that I'm speaking to one person that's listening and we are friends whether we've met yet or not. So it is community. It's not, um, it's not audience. It's not listeners, followers, likes, any of that. 
those things don't matter to me. Um, you know, what matters is the one person that's listening. So when you just started out, you mentioned the blog and you mentioned the podcast. I suppose at that point in time, blog was more engaging with your friends. <laughs> I, it's, I'm sorry if I'm saying audience half the time. <laughs> no, we can, no. <laughs> just have it. I, <laughs> um, but it, at that point in time, it was very much about people making comments. You would have a discussion, right? Does your blog work that way now or is, has that moved to social media? Yes. So again, this is 2003. So things were very different. So the blog, it wasn't even called blogging back then. It was just articles on your website. Um, it really was the introduction for people to find it. Right? I think people were hungry for Disney-related content when they couldn't get there as often as they would like. So they would find the website. They would maybe find it through my trivia books. And then when they got there, Yes, it was commenting, but really, I, I started my discussion forums on a V bulletin, and really, that's where the community and the conversation existed. That's where I wanted to to direct people to. And unfortunately, um, you know, as social became more centralized on places like Facebook, that's sort of where everybody went. And eventually, I moved over to a Facebook group because it has that same sense of community. I think some at some point in the future. Um, some ways down, we might get decentralized again and and have discussion communities on our own site where we have ownership and no algorithms and all that, not to sort of go off on a tangent. But um, so, yeah, so it really was the idea of they would consume the content, whether it was the book, the the articles and or the podcast. But I always wanted to bring them back to that home base, to that community. And really what I loved about the discussion forum was It didn't matter if you were an administrator or a moderator or if you were brand new. Everybody was on the same playing field. Everybody saw everything. And it really was that that clubhouse type of environment. It was incredibly and still is self-moderating because the people who were there came in because they wanted to be there. They came in for the right reasons. I have never, ever spent a dime on marketing or run ads to try and grow my audience. Because I believe if you love on and, and nurture and care for the individual people who are there, they will go out and they will be evangelists for you and your brand and that community and bring other people in as well. So did you just intuitively know this? Just It just felt natural to you? Or did you have somebody teaching you these strategies from the very beginning? Come closer. I'm going to tell you a little secret. I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, to be clear, again, I was a lawyer. I was a geek. I was like a tech nerd. Like this whole idea of community and branding, like when people would say those words to me, they were foreign. Like I had to look them up. I'm not a marketer. I'm the worst sales guy in the world. I, I hate selling. I don't, I just makes me, gives me the heebie-jeebies. So yeah, I, I have been sort of figuring it out along the way. Um, I never did have really um, a mentor or a guide or certainly not a, a blueprint or anything because, again, it being so long ago, right, especially, you know, podcasting, I was, it was very, very early on in 2005 in the podcasting game. I mean, there was maybe one, maybe two other Disney-related podcasts at the time. So we really have been and continue to figure it out as we go along. But I think as long as your why 
is and your your mission is important, right? Why you're doing what you're doing, who you're trying to serve, what you're ultimately trying to do. You figure out the technology and things like that um, along the way. But yeah, no, I, I never, and that's why I want to help people now because I know what it feels like to be sitting in your office or on your couch or at your kitchen table late at night, struggling, trying to figure it out. And while your wife, your husband, your kids, your cat might be very supportive, they might not know necessarily how to help you. Um, and that's why I do what I do in terms of trying to work with people one-on-one or small groups or small events um, because I want them to feel the way I do. Like to this day, I, I'm still super excited. Like every morning when I get up and like at night, I hate going to sleep because I have so much that I want to get done. Like I love what I do so, so very much. And I think life is too short not to do something that you enjoy um, truly so passionately. The reason why I wrote my book, Marketing Made Human, was that I have for a while been teaching all of these strategies in both branding and marketing and also self-publishing of books. And what I realized was that it's all about how you think about your role in your own business. That's why I wanted to talk to you because I, I hear that what you're saying is that you are basically, yeah, you're working at the front end of the funnel, but the fun, it's like, it's, it's like, it's a circle. The front end and the back end is the same. <laughs> it, so it, it, so you use like, and I say, I mean this jokingly, you use the F word, right? So the funnel word has always been one that like, that too gives me the heebie-jeebies because it, for me, it makes heebie-jeebies is a technical, term, right? It makes me feel like there is a, and I understand this works in, in many businesses, but, but for me, the idea of I'm going to get them in this way and I'm going to lead them down the path to do A, B, C, and D and eventually get them here makes me feel squeamish and somewhat disingenuous, right? So I want people to come in because they like the content. They're getting value out of it. Um, the, the community serves them. Um, it brings them happiness or whatever the reason is. If I have something to offer, whether it be an event or a product, if it's right for them, so be it. Um, they'll do it because they want to, not because they're being led down this path. I don't even have an email sequence. I don't have, you know, I have a giveaway that I, but it's to give it away. It's not because I have an opt-in and I have this multi-part, you know, lead generation, blah, blah. I don't, it's just not me, right? It just doesn't feel right. And do I maybe leave money on the table? Sure, but that's just not who I, who I am, um, and it, it's it's just the way that I sort of choose things. But what ends up happening though is if you treat people that way, right? And if you treat them, look, I, I tell people all the time, like I'm not a numbers guy. If you ask me what my downloads number, I'd have to stop and go and look because I don't look. But when I do see a number, I know that there's a there's a human being, right? There's a human being on the other side that's giving and sharing with me their most valuable commodity, which is their time. So I'm going to be, I'm going to show my gratitude for that and to them individually. Like I care at scale. I care about every single person that's there. But when it does come time to have an offer or do something more than willing to return that love and that favor to you. I mean, I think Patreon is a great example. You know, it's not something that you start 
as you're building your business and your brand. But if you have an established community, it can work out really well because people want to thank you for what you have been doing for them. And that's what I found Patreon working is they're not in it for the monthly rewards or for anything else other than thank you for the years of content and the joy that you've brought me. This is my way of saying thank you. So for those who don't know what Patreon is, could you just explain it briefly? Yeah, so like a Kickstarter, Patreon is a a, a tiered donation system that you can set up from a dollar to whatever it is, either per piece of unique content or on a monthly basis. So I have multiple levels. You can come in at a dollar a month and that dollar will get you certain rewards and it goes up to a hundred dollars a month, which gets you physical rewards every month. And I do monthly scavenger hunts and special access to events that I put on or or discounts or live video group calls. Uh, And it's funny. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be perfectly transparent when I, was thinking about doing Patreon. Um, it really was, the idea was sparked by emails I was getting, specifically one, somebody said, hey Lou, I've been listening to you for years. You've given me countless hours of entertainment and value and you never sent me an invoice for like everything that you gave me. Like, how do I say thank you to you? I've got your books, I've got your audio tours. Like, what else can I do? So I very sheepishly and and I was very afraid when I launched my Patreon and I almost put in there, uh, I I put a hundred, I only use the number just to sort of illustrate a point. I put the hundred dollar level in there. Like nobody's ever going to do this, but I'll just put it up there. And I had a limited number and it sold out like in the first few days. Now that has nothing to do with me, but the takeaway lesson for your listener is that the people who are at that level weren't doing and don't do it because they want the physical reward every month or they want to say, oh, I'm a platinum member. They do it because that's how they feel they are able to say thank you for everything that you, the the social equity that you've built with them over the past 15 years. So Patreon could be a very, very important, valuable tool, not just for you, but something for your community as well. It really helps to reinforce that sense of community and belonging, right? So for me, it's the WDW Radio Nation. They like to feel like I'm part of the nation. I'm part of this community. I'm helping to support the show. I'm an interactive um, uh, participant in it as opposed to just a, a consumer of it. So they become co-owners of the brand. <laughs> They do. And I, and I want them to have a sense of ownership. You know, a lot, I've, I don't monologue my show. I always have guests. My guests, for the most part, if they're not, you know, interviews and things like that, a lot of times they'll come from the community, say, hey, I have an idea, or, or I know a lot about this. I'll say, come on in, come on the show and let's do it together. Let's, you know, record something in the parks together. Um, it's not just for them, but it's by them as well. Oh, I love that. I love that. If you were to highlight a few very unconventional ways that you have built your community or something that you do that not many people do, what would those small, uh, I was almost saying crazy ideas, (laughs) (laughs) unconventional, let's say unconventional. (laughs) I think for a variety, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's unconventional and maybe it's not applicable to everybody's business, but um, so in addition to paid events that I do, whether it's a group cruise or, or 
I've been doing monthly meetups uh, in Walt Disney World for 12 years. Uh, every single month, I'll do a meetup in a park or outside a park at a resort. Or if I travel on the road, either to speak or if I'm visiting another park somewhere, I'll do a meetup because I think people devalue or underestimate the value of what I call the handshake and a hug, right? Looking somebody in the eye. And I do monthly meetups, to be clear. It's not so people can come and meet me. It's so that I can meet them, that I can look them in the eye, shake their hand, give them a hug and say thank you. And I want to hear your story, right? So it's an opportunity for me to humanize and, and put a face and a name and a voice to that download, that listener, that patron, whatever it is. It's also a way to foster that sense of community because what it allows them to do is whether they come by themselves, they bring their kids, they're with their spouse or with some friends, they're able to come together as a community and not just meet me, but meet each other as well. And I've seen marriages and babies and friendships develop from that. And I love being able to sort of sit back and not just facilitate, but, but watch those relationships happen uh, because that's part of what I want to do um, as a content creator is foster a meaningful sense of community. And I think the in-person face-to-face is sometimes so, so important when you're able to do it. So, Lou, I know that your community, it's quite big now, right? It's fair to say I, I am, <laughs> I, I'm very fortunate to um, that, that, you know, they have built, um, that they have really been wonderful in, in, in growing the community over the years. <laughs> You're allowed to be proud as well. <laughs> You're doing a good job, I'm sure. So uh, I'm wondering, could you share, how do you manage that community then? I know that you want to make it more or less self-sustaining, but how do you... Uh, engage with people how do, do you manage it like that or do you have moderators how how does that work for you so there's a couple of aspects to it so in terms of moderators um when i said that it's a self-moderating community it really is like knock on wood my facebook group and elsewhere there's no drama there's no almost need for a moderator again because it goes back to the how and the why people came in If I had this funnel and this lead magnet and this thing to give away to get people to join the community, then maybe they're not there for the quote unquote right reasons. If they're brought in because they like the show or their friend says, oh, you're a Disney fan. you got, I think you really like this guy. You should check out his podcast. They're there for the right reasons. That nonsense doesn't happen. Like, thankfully, we just don't have that. So there's almost no need really for moderators in the group. As for me, it's so important to look in, in the 17 years I've been doing this, I respond to every single email personally. It might take me a little while, but I get there like every comment, every tweet, like best that I can. And we know that time is everybody's biggest enemy. But if you're going to take the time to email me or comment or send me a direct message or leave me a voicemail you better believe I'm going to give you the courtesy and the respect and the gratitude of responding to that. Um, sometimes it's hard and we, you know, we don't get to every comment and certainly not um, in, in as quickly as we would like to. Um, but I do, I, I want to be there for them. I mean, it's again, it's part of the reason why 
I, I've been doing Facebook Live. I mean, I started back on Ustream back in 2017, uh, 2007. Sorry, the reason why I do live is because I want to be there and have that two-way dialogue, right? I, I, otherwise, as content creators, everything we do is we're pushing out content and then we wait for a response. I like having that real-time, unfiltered, completely authentic dialogue, um, not just in text, but I do a call-in show. So people can literally, I, you know, I'm old school. I say you can be on the air and have that conversation um, because I do want to be there with them and for them as much as I can. So types of content is this? I know you do a lot of live, right? Right. So what I did when I first started doing live, I would specifically talk about like weekly Walt Disney World and Disney related news because I wanted my podcast to be evergreen. It was a great way for me to not only talk about the content, but again, make it a two-way conversation. It's not a broadcast. It's, it's, a, it's a dialogue between me and the people who are watching and then being able to sort of repurpose that out elsewhere. As time has gone on, I found that people are almost less interested in the quote-unquote specific subject. They just want to be together. They want to just be in that room and talk with each other. Look, there are times, <laughs> the very first, I'll tell you a quick story. The very first time I went live, it was 2007. I told my wife, I'm like, listen, there's this new thing. It's called Ustream. It's like a live broadcast thing. I don't know. I'm going to try it out. I'll be upstairs in 10 minutes, whatever. Six hours later, she comes downstairs and she's like, who are you talking to? Like, I hear you through the air conditioning vents. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, there's like a couple of hundred people and they're just watching. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, we're just a bunch of friends talking. And it's, it continues to almost be the same thing. We talk about Disney and Marvel and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's about, A community. It's about people wanting to belong and get together and have that familial, familiar, familiar friend and friends who that they because I'll watch the the text go by in the Facebook group in the Facebook chat, and they're sometimes having side conversations that have nothing to do with what I'm talking about, which I love, right? Because they're getting together and they're sort of meeting virtually, um, and I think that's that's such a great testament to. This, this power of community that we talk about, right? Again, it's, it's the human, it's humanizing what it is that we do. Yeah, I love they're really just there to be together. What would you say to those who are, might now think, but this is also, this is Disney. This is a passion. <laughs> it's, it's, what, if, what if I sell something completely different and my business is about something less passionate, maybe more centered around solving a specific problem? It doesn't matter, right? And what I mean by that is whatever that thing is that you do or that you like or that you have an interest in, you are not the only person, right? There is somebody else out there that has a problem you can help them solve, a need that you can fill, um, something that, that they want to contribute to, That's the power of the internet. Look, pre-internet days when I used to have a bulletin board system or even before that, we sometimes felt like we were alone and isolated. We didn't know if I was the only, was I the only quote unquote adult that loved Disney as much as I did? The internet has solved all that. So now it doesn't matter how niche down 
your interest is, whether it be personally or professionally, there are other people out there. Randy Pausch uh, had a quote uh, from the last lecture, which is one of my favorites. The size of your audience does not matter. What matters is that they're listening. That's why the scaling and the numbers I don't care about. And I don't think your listeners should either. Because if you have 10 people that are fully engaged in what you are doing, that's incredibly powerful, right? I would have rather have 10 people that really care about what I'm doing than 10,000 likes on a Facebook page that have no engagement. And I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that there's people are so concerned with the vanity metrics that they're buying likes and followers so it looks good. And then there's zero engagement. Again, I would, and people say to me all the time, like, oh, I, I only have 20 listeners to every episode of the podcast. I'm like, stop it right there. Take that word only out of your vocabulary. And they look at me funny. And I'm like, when does your show come out? They'll be like, Sunday night. I'm like, okay, if every Sunday night, 20 people came knocking on your door at seven o'clock and said, okay, talk to me about, you know, marketing this week. You'd be like, I need more Doritos to feed all these people who are now sitting in my living room. So like you cannot and should not devalue the number. Um, what matters is, is that however, what that ever number is, that there's people who are there that actually care about and really are listening. Where do you think this vanity comes from? Why did we get so obsessed with numbers? Because that, that's the only sort of social barometer we have, right? Because when you go to Instagram, for example, and you find somebody's profile, what's the first thing you look at? How many followers do they have, right? It's, it's this social validation. Well, she's got 50,000 followers. She must be doing something well. I think, that, I think we look at the wrong numbers, right? I think we, we're sometimes concentrating. Look more at the comments. Look at the, the real type of engagement. Facebook's the same thing. Oh, I have 500,000 likes on my Facebook page, but you post a piece of content and seven people comment, something's wrong there, right? So to me, that devalues what that 500,000 number or those 50,000 followers on your Instagram really mean. Um, we're unfortunately, we're conditioned and, you know, um, so I want to monetize what I do. So I need to have these numbers. I need to reach X amount of thousand. No, you don't. Right. So for me, there's only one number that matters. Years ago, I surveyed my audience. I'm going to use the audience word because that's what you're making me say. So I surveyed my community got you. Got uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> right, about the podcast and I got a lot of valuable data and information from it. I didn't offer them anything. I didn't bribe them with anything. They did it because they wanted to help. The only number that matters for me, if I need to talk to a potential sponsor, for example, is 94%. And 94% represents 94% of, of my audience, my listeners, my friends have bought a product or service that I advertise or talked about on the show. That's the influence. That's how you measure influence. It's not the number of likes or follows or hearts because you could buy all those. A lot of those could, could be very easily faked, but you tell an advertiser that 94% of my hundred, my thousand, my 10,000, hundred thousand listeners, followers, readers bought a product or service that I endorsed that's the number that matters. I think people are so concerned about the scale, right? I need to have this many followers. 
I think if it, it, and I know this flies in the face of, of marketing and everything else, but I, I really do believe that if you have a smaller concentrated group of people that are, are there the right way, um, that's, that's the most important, um, that's the metric that you should be striving for. Not, hey, look at my page. I have this many likes on it. Yeah, I also like to look at the retention rate so that people actually stay. The engagement, but also that they stay. That's the best sign that it's working for them. (laughs) Well, that's part of the reason why I love uh, the podcast medium so much. And I wave the podcasting flag so very hard. One, people who listen, listen all the way through. They listen for the most part from the beginning to the very end of every single episode. If they come and find you today, they will often go back and listen to all of your past episodes. I have 580 some episodes. Still to this day, people say, I found you last week. I'm going back to show number one. Nobody is finding your blog and going, you know what? I'm going to go back and read all 15 years of blog posts that you've written. It's, it's, a, it's a much more intimate medium. And you're right. They, they are fully present and fully engaged. I mean, again, it, it's one of the reasons why I think the medium is so important, so powerful. And I think over the next few years, it's going to become even more so. Because the other reason, too, is there's no algorithm, right? So you create a piece of content on Facebook or Instagram. There's some sort of mysterious algorithm that chances are your audience may or may not see it, right? What is it, Facebook now? 1%, 2% of likes on your page are actually going to see it. People who subscribe to your podcast, they get your podcast. There's no algorithm to have to worry about. So the people who are there are there for the right reasons. They want to consume your content. They get it all and they listen all the way through. Yeah. And I've heard you say that that's even for quite long podcast episodes. (laughs) Some of my episodes are over two hours. I'm not going to lie. But that's the, you know, that's why there's a pause button, right? So people will say, oh, I love it because I listen to the first half on my commute to work. I listen to the other half on the commute home. I listen while I'm on the treadmill. I listen while I'm walking the dog or doing this with my kids. You know, people aren't going to read necessarily a blog post for two and a half hours or watch a two and a half hour video, but they'll consume content that way because of the delivery mechanism. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So uh, before we wrap up, is there anything specific you would love to share? You know, the only thing I would say is that um, that everything I do on, on the Disney side of things is at wdwradio.com. And I do really want to try and help people have that same kind of feeling and life that I do. So whether it's working with them one-on-one or a mastermind group, which I never had, Everything else I do on that side is, is at lumangelo.com. Okay. So my last question is, what is your number one tip to make marketing human? You know, the, 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 the knee-jerk reaction is, I almost don't want to say it because I think it's so obvious, but it's everything that we're talking about, right? So marketing made human, right? It's almost disappointing that we have to talk about things like, being authentic and being transparent and being vulnerable because there is this perception that sometimes the person that you are online is not the person that you are in real life. 
it's easy to be fake on Instagram when you can take as long as you want to set up the shot exactly the way you want it and filter it and adjust. You can't do that. Even on a podcast, like they can hear it. And you know, like the longer they listen, they can tell if something's wrong, if you're not feeling well, if you're enthusiastic, like if you're smiling, if you're happy. That's the beauty of the media. That's why I love live video because they can see it on your face, right? And I do it all the time. People be like, I'll get messages through, you know, privately as I'm broadcasting. Hey, are you okay? Like something doesn't seem right. That's incredibly powerful because it shows that you are vulnerable, you are transparent, and they care. Like they care and they pay attention. And consumers are jaded and sort of have this belief. And I've, and I've encountered it at Meets of the Month. Somebody, I'm talking to somebody at Meets of the Month, and he stops me. And he says, I got to stop you for a second. And I'm like, oh, did I say something wrong? He goes, you know, you're such a nice guy on the show. I can't believe like you're the same person in real life. And it sort of, it struck me. And I'm like, oh, like, and I said to him, I said, do you think I'm like a nice guy on the show and like a jerk in real life? And he said, I wasn't sure. Like, I wasn't sure if there was two different people, if there was a character or a caricature of you that's online versus the person in real life. And, and these community-based things, well, it's podcasting where you can hear if somebody's faking it. Live video where there is no script, there is no do-over. In-person meets of the month, that's how you make marketing human, right? Is by giving people that type of unfiltered access to you. They may like you, they may not, that's fine. But it's the real you. I think that's how you attract the right people and grow community the right way. Thank you so much, Lou. I truly enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> It sure was. Talk to you soon. Take care. So that was the interview with Lou Mongello, who is not just a little bit more of a Disney fan now. I hope you feel inspired to consider not only your Facebook group and wherever else your people assemble, but also your podcast, your live stream videos, and even your email list places for community building and not purely marketing channels. In a business model based on shared values and interests, people are looking for a place to belong and to share the good and the bad stuff. I loved how Lou in his own words shared that he just built the house, but the members have made it a home. Are you considering the places that you show up marketing channels or do you consider them a home for your community? On a final note, Lou shared his perspective on sales funnels and that sales is driven by the community itself, partly via sharing and bringing in new people and partly because they simply want to support him. In the Marketing Made Human book, I elaborate quite a lot on this topic, so if you want a deeper understanding of what funnels look like in this new human marketing paradigm, I encourage you to go grab a copy of the book on Amazon. This episode has come to an end. The next episode is a solo episode. We are going to discuss how you can become more authentic with your communication. If you enjoyed this show, please show your enthusiasm by subscribing in your podcatcher. This will help other entrepreneurs discover the show. And while you're at it, please share this episode with a person who needs it so that we can help each other out. Thank you for listening today. Talk to you soon.